It's the best place to be. It's the Rabbit Hole with Jim Sion and Harry Bartosiak. In New Orleans, I'm Jim Sion. And where exactly are you, Harry? Hello, Jim. I am located here in the heart of a COVID hotspot right now, Chicago, Illinois. Here are the suburbs outside there. Everybody's staying safe, hopefully. And uh, it's a perfect day to be inside, away from crowds, broadcasting to you live from my palatial estate in Arlington Heights, Illinois. I want to start with, with a little bit of a curveball and play an addition of the game Dead or Alive. Are you up for it? Oh, I love Dead or Alive. I've been playing it I for know. years. Well, I, I was Burl Ives is dead. Burl Ives is dead, and uh, who is the other one? Uh, Abe Vigoda is dead. And Francis uh, Bovier. <laughs> right. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with old ladies in Hollywood right now. Old ladies from TV in Hollywood. Wait a minute. Uh, I'm, yep. I'm putting on my Tattletales giant headphones and getting into the TV here. Okay? okay. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. First of all, Beth Howland from Alice. She played the, the dinghy broad. Vera. Is Whoa, she dead or alive? Vera. You dinghy broad. Um, I'm going to say that she is alive. Nope, she's dead. Died dead. in 2015. All right. Sorry how about, about that. How about from Airplane? She was good looking. She still, well, you know, she looked good until uh, later in her life. But uh, Julie Haggerty. Julie Haggerty is uh, recently dead. Nope, she's still alive. What? <laughs> well, yep. <laughs> unless, unless she died in the last half hour, she's still alive. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm happy to hear that. Great. All right. How about Georgia Engel, who played uh, Ted Baxter's wife on Mary Tyler Moore? Georgette, right? Georgette. Yep. Um, she's dead. Okay. What year? 2014. 2019. Oh, okay. All right. She All made right. it a little bit longer. That's good. And Anne Wedgworth. She was on Three's Company and also Evening Shade. Anne Wedgworth. Who did she play on Three's Company? She played that. Uh, she was only on for like two seasons. She was the divorced girl uh, who was always after Jack. Oh yeah, right. Um, I don't know who she is. So I'm just gonna. It's fifty-fifty, right? Right. There's only <laughs> yeah, two answers. <laughs> I'll say alive. No, she died in 2017. Hmm. <laughs> What's my tally so far, Jim? You're. I think you're zero for four. No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. How about? And we'll finish it up with. Jeanette Dubois from uh, Good Times. She played Wilonia or Wilonio or whatever the hell her name was. Winona. Winona. There you yeah. go. She's alive. Nope. She just died no. this year, 2004. Oh, oh, for fun. You know what? <laughs> I don't do There's good a... on these quizzes. I never do. <laughs> no, you, normally you know exactly what year everyone died. But yeah, you, you're right. When, I, when, I put, when your feet are put to the fire and it's a quiz, you have a mm -hmm. tendency to underperform. Yeah, I do. You know, but I do better when I control the the topic and line of questioning. Then I, I I stay in my lane, so to speak. So you know. Well, okay, then you know what? Let's stay in your lane and uh, let you kick it off. What show have you uh, picked for us to discuss this week? Sweet Spot era, 1984 to 1992. This show is on nine years. Kind of can't believe we haven't done it already. I don't like lawyer shows, but this uh -huh. one I liked. Uh, it what it. Involved lawyer, judge, and other people. Night Court, remember NBC? Sure, with Harry Anderson. Right. So there's so much here to unpack, as they say. All right. Now, uh, first, were were you a fan of that show? 
I was a huge fan of that show. Okay, okay. No, well, I wouldn't say huge. I liked it a lot. But it was a vehicle for the great comedian magician Harry Anderson, of course. Right? Yes, yes. Now, Harry yes. Anderson had appeared on Saturday Night Live doing his magic tricks, and his whole thing was that was it. He was a comedian magician. There weren't that many of them around. There were more traditional musicians. But, you know, he wore the hat, told the jokes, he had the glasses. Warm me up with a card trick, darling. Take that deck of cards. Examine it. See that that is an absolutely ordinary, unprepared deck of cards, and take your time. Because we're going to do the trick with this deck. You know, his character on the show, he played Harry Stone. You ever notice that, too, whenever they have personality-based TV shows, they always keep their regular first name a lot of times. Like, Everybody Loves Raymond or yeah. um, I Love Lucy, but they changed the last name. It's like, we know who it is, and you're telling us the first name. Why don't you just give them their regular last name? What's the big deal? Well, I think I, I actually think it's a legal thing because oh. years down the road, you can say, well, wait a minute. No, 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 that, that's obviously me. You know, and uh, uh, I really think it it has something to do with the legal stuff. I'm wow. not sure, but yeah, I'm, okay. I'll find out. Put that in the corrections. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's really smart uh, to think of that. I, I didn't even think of that, but I bet you that's it. You, it's got to be, right? Okay. Um, like, why? that's why it was called the Rockford Files instead of the Garner Files, for example, right? Yes, yeah, Jim Rockford, right. Jim's Garner. Well, and of course, Garner. Jim Rockford, every offseason, he was suing the network anyway, so they didn't <laughs> yeah, want any right. more legal trouble. God, God damn it, another lawsuit, you know. Yeah, because for all the, they knew, the next season, they all of a sudden, Jim Rockford is now played by Dick Gaudier, right? <laughs> <laughs> he would, you know what, he would have been a good fill-in. That would have been, that's pretty right. good casting right there. <laughs> yeah. Harry Anderson and John Larroquette, he was the... Uh, he played Dan Fielding. He was the slime bag, sex maniac uh, uh, prosecutor. And, you know, he, he was basically always trying to um, get women in bed or whatever. The rain again, the rain right. had uh, cracked up a little bit. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they that was his, uh, his thing, basically. And he was just kind of a slime, but he was underneath, you know... He was one of the only oh, people get out of the right, please. I think we're the only two who were on for the entire run of the show. Marky Post, you remember, as the public yep. defender, right? Now, as far as I remember, she was the only one. But there were actually four people who played her role on the show. First of all, there's somebody you wouldn't know about, Gail Strickland, you wouldn't know about unless you watched the uh, nope. pilot. Gail Strickland played so, the role of the public defender Gail in Strickland. the pilot. So you haven't seen that, I haven't seen that, so forget about her. Then there was some lady named nope, nope. Paula Kelly who played it in season one. I have no memory of her. Season two okay. sees the introduction of Ellen Foley as public defender Billy Young. And then Marky right. Post came along in season three. So uh, Marky Post is okay, but I don't remember anything she did on the show. You know, no offense. That was hey, she was, I thought she was pretty fun. good looking. I thought she was well, pretty okay, good Okay, well, looking. yeah, she was good looking, but I'm yeah. talking about contributions to the show. You know, like saying, being funny, saying things are funny, because the right. show is a character-filled show. Harry Anderson, the mag magic, the, the wisecracks, he's the judge. Well, um, well and of course, but, you remember the, the best thing about that show was the fact that Harry Anderson was a huge fan of Mel Torme. Okay. Well, <laughs> you have just about... I'm not going to let you do it, but you have spoiled... I am rolling out, for this show only, my worst impression ever 
of, and it is of one Mel Torme. And you're right. On the show, right. Harry Anderson, who, by the way, they, they had a really interesting background for him. Both of his parents were in an insane asylum, so that's fun, funny. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, hilarious. He loved old movies, and he loved Mel Torme. So Mel Torme was a recurring character. He was on, I guess, the first show, as a matter of fact. Really? Uh, yeah, and then he was on a few times. And remember, the thing with Mel Torme was Harry uh, would over-the-top, you know, uh, fan of Mel Torme, trying his best to impress him, but he always ended up doing stuff that uh, got Mel in trouble or got him hurt or, you know, he, he got in the way and made life miserable for Mel Torme on the show. My first concert I ever saw was Mel Torme at the Mill Run Theater in Niles, Illinois. My parents took me. The opening act was uh, Mr. Steve Lawrence. So I bet you would you know, have loved to see that show. Yeah, well, that would be great. But, you know, I got to say, I don't think that Steve Lawrence has to open for Mel Torme. I think that, you know, I think Mel Torme on some nights might be opening for Steve Lawrence. But that's just my opinion. They're both great. Both great. Actually, I apologize. I'm wrong. That, that was a lie. Not on purpose. But <laughs> okay. Steve Lawrence opened for Rich Little, who I also saw at the Mill Run. Oh, Theater. God. Now that's even worse, yeah. for God's yeah. sake. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so and now wait. When you saw Rich Little, let me guess. He did his Jack Benny and George Burns impersonations, didn't he? Yes, and also, I am not a crook. Oh no way! He didn't <laughs> yeah, do right. next. Yes, he, he did. Of oh God! <laughs> well, I saw him in like 1976 or something like that. So 75. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So I guess that was probably. Yeah. That was about <laughs> the same. Yeah, 75. Because that's when I saw. Gerald Ford campaigning at the Woodfield Mall in Schaumburg, Illinois. So I remember all these oh my God. activities. Yeah, I saw him campaigning, I swear to God, at the <laughs> Ranthurst Mall. And I shook his hand. <laughs> you did? Wow. I swear he was to really God. pounding the pavement. If he was at Rand, was he in the food court? No, they didn't have a food oh. court back then. I think, <laughs> yeah. it was, I think it was outside of the Weebolts. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Lou, since we've been working with Weebolts this year, I'm learning more about women's clothes every day. Now, for example, do you know what a shadow panel is? Well, old chap, I haven't the foggiest. What is it? Well, it's a lining they put in women's slips. And they have these slips at uh, Weebolts? <laughs> do they? <laughs> <laughs> Say, don't ad-lib, just read what's on the script. <laughs> well, Kaiser makes them in nylon, and it's light as a feather. These slips are edged with lace <laughs> at the top and bottom. <laughs> they ahead. sound great, huh? They sure do. <laughs> oh, mercy. And, and I also, that's the same spot where I also met Ava Gabor. <laughs> you really did? Yeah, she was wow. there promoting her wig line, and my mom wanted to go. Oh, my God. <laughs> so well, that's wild. At the Woodfield Mall, I actually also saw, remember Tiffany, the singer? Yes, I remember when she yeah. went there. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, a big and, deal. And I'm walking by. And she's there on stage, and she's singing along, and there's no band, but, you know, she's singing along to pre-recorded tracks, which I thought was odd. And, like, barely anyone was paying attention to her. And as I'm walking by, I'm like, oh, I feel bad for that girl. Oh, oh my God. You're kidding. Wow, that's weird. Yeah. And I didn't even, I had no idea who she was. I just walked by and said, God, I really feel bad for that girl. Why do they, why do they make her go out there and do that? That's just embarrassing. All right. Well, anyway, let's get this out of the way. Here's my Mel Torme impression, okay? Okay. 
right. I don't believe in fretting and grieving. Why mess around with strife? I guess I was cut out, two step and strut out. Give me the simple life. Boo ba doo ba doo. There you go. <laughs> well, that reminds me of that special that you and I we'd play a clip on when we had our old radio show, where it was, um, oh God, who were the three? It was Kay Ballard. And some, other, <laughs> and some other fat broad might have been Rosemary Clooney, but I'm not positive. Although I do like, but it's like the two of them, and then they bring out Mel Torme like for the third verse of the song. Oh my God! And they build him up like in the back. And then Mel comes in and he sings his verse. And then at the end they do stop time, and he goes. <laughs> All right. So I got no, that so out of the way. Okay. Well, here comes another one. Because right. another character on the show was a guy named Richard Mull. He played Bull, the big giant bailiff, right? Yes. I Remember? about him. Big, huge guy, but heart of gold. Super nice. Looked like he was mean as hell, but he really wasn't. Then there was another a clerk, a sort of a bailiff person, Marsha Wainwright. Remember her? Sort of yes. a heavy set. African-American lady. She, and then there was Mac, who was the clerk. He was another guy that didn't really say anything all that funny. Uh, but he, he, was, you know, he, he, he was the black guy, right? Yeah, and he wore yeah. a cardigan sweater all the time. Right, That's what yeah, I yeah, yeah. And a mustache. Now, another regular character on the show was John Aston, who played uh, later, he played kind of a crazy guy, and it turned it out later uh, that it's Harry Anderson's dad on the show. I remember Bull, he, didn't, he said a lot of funny lines, but he had a catchphrase. We talk about Funny, you know, catchphrase. I love catchphrases like "Hello sure. there." You know, I try to throw those in as much as I can. But Bull's catchphrase, do you remember? He's like, "Okay." He would say that all the time. Do you remember See, that? No, I don't remember that. I, I mean, I, okay. I did watch the show, but uh, no, okay. that's not, as far as catchphrases go. I wouldn't put that one up there with <clears throat> "Where's the beef?" You know, I mean, uh, or, or what you talking about, Willis? That one's not no. that good. Two more things. One frequent guest star. This actually could be a long topic, but we, we can cut it off. Uh, th this is a frequent guest star here. I want to say funny or not funny for you. Okay. Yakov Shmurnoff. No, not funny. Not funny. No. What? Only in America. I mean, it was the yeah. same joke. Uh, so I don't know. Um, but I don't know anybody ever in the world at any period in history who thought Yakov Shmurnoff was funny. But he got his 15 minutes of fame. Well, so, you know, he's so mediocre that when I make punchlines, like when someone says something smart-ass to me, I'll say something like, ah, it's pretty funny. Maybe you should go on the road with Jerry Lewis. Or maybe you should go on the, <laughs> the road with Carrot Top. I used to use Yakov Smirnoff, but he's now so mediocre that I don't even use him as a punchline for that. He's, he's, right. he's even too mediocre to use. So the last thing I'll say, we'll finish off. Yeah. I like tonight, Court. I just like running down the list of these names. Uh, you know, that's my favorite thing to do. But it was a good show. And Nine years oh, has yeah. to be. Um, the original uh, bailiff before Marsha Wainwright uh, was Selma Diamond. And, you know, she seemed like a little old lady who cracked jokes and that's cute and ha, ha, ha. And she right. died after the first year. But Selma Diamond, uh, not a lot of people know, uh, our generation or, or younger, uh, was a writer on the show of shows, which is one of the most famous comedy shows of all time. And wow. so uh, when I was watching her on Night Card, I just thought, oh, it's a character actor, a little old lady. But no, there's a lot more to it. 
So we've talked you about know, the show of shows, and, and they've got there's a long laundry list of people you would be surprised by, like Ernest T. Bass was a writer on the show, you know, Howard Morris, but right. Selma Diamond as well. So that's well, an interesting nugget. I've actually, I, I read a book about, uh, and I know you're laughing now, uh, but I read a book <laughs> about your show of shows, and if I'm not mistaken, she was the only female in the writing room, and she used to have a, a red hanky. And because in that room you'd have like Carl Reiner, and Mel Brooks, and maybe a Howie Morris, and, yeah. uh, and I mean, you know, a couple other famous names that I'm forgetting right now. So they'd all be shouting, you know, and what she would do is she would wave her red hanky when she wanted attention, because she couldn't yell as loud as the guys, and she was, you know, kind of small, so they'd all be doing their thing. So she would just ra- ra- uh, wave her red hanky, and then uh, 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 Sid Caesar would say, Selma, what do you got? And then she'd, you know, give her punchline. I love it. That's a, yeah. it's a great system. Excellent. Well, <clears throat> so she passed away apparently in 1984. Breast in peace. Yeah. Uh, so if we're going to do dead or alive, there's another one to put. Uh, you know, ask somebody else. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not a mathematician, but if she were alive, I think she'd be 111 years old. So I think that one's pretty easy to figure out if you're playing dead or alive. Yeah, you're right. All right. So what do you think? Night Court. Good, bad, show, indifferent. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. no. It was a B to B plus show. I think it was, it, and I think it was part like of. Part of um, one of those nights, and it might have been Thursdays, but when NBC really had a bunch of good comedies where you could turn it yes. on and you, did, yeah, you didn't have to switch a station for like two oh, straight yeah. hours. That was good TV watching right about then. And um, yeah, and by the way, I, I should say, uh, Harry Anderson passed away, I believe it was last year. Uh, he may, it may have even been 2020, you'd have to look that up, but he did, le- uh, uh, he did die recently. Well, and you know, it was funny because I always thought he was very talented, and like you say, he did SNL, he did a lot of talk shows, he was really funny, had a good act, but after he did Night Court, he also did that show that was based on uh, Dave Barry's uh, life, I think it was called Dave's World, do you remember that one? Yeah, I didn't, I never really got into that. No, me neither, but after he did that, you never saw him again. Yeah, yeah, he kind of faded into, I don't know if he retired to Colorado and... And worked on, on well, you know what? I'll put that in the corrections because it's kind of strange how he just disappeared. And of course, he had two hit sitcoms, so he had enough dough, I'm sure. But uh, but yeah, I always thought it was weird that he just kind of left because he was always so good on the talk shows. You know, I appreciate the fact that that you mentioned some of those character actors because uh, I think that's right in the wheelhouse with with my show because this was a show that was on from 1965 to 1980, 1981. According to TV Guide, it's the number seven all-time game show. It, of course, starring the great Peter Marshalls. Uh, P- Peter Marshall was Hollywood Squares. Oh, yes, of course. Love and it. I, the I Peter Marshall version, that is. Well, yes, yeah, we're not going to talk. We, I mean, I'll touch on the other ones. But uh, they had a daytime and a nighttime version. They basically ran at the same time from about 65 to, well, the night one ended in 80 and the daytime ended one, or the uh, daytime. Uh, that ended in 1981. That, of course, yeah. was the Peter, Mar- Peter Marshall version. But do you know that he was not the original host of the Hollywood Squares? And I bet you, if I gave you enough time, think mid-60s. Think a guy that could be a game show host that wore a lot of tuxedos. Who do you think was the guy who shot the pilot instead of Peter Marshall? A lot of tuxedos, huh? A lot of tuxedos. Didn't have a lot of work, but he was always on TV. Well... Worked, worked with a lot of pretty women every year, once right. a year. 
Boy, oh boy. I'm so disappointed in myself. I can't even think of a humorous uh, uh, name to throw out here. Uh, uh, El Molinaro. No, according to, according to Johnny Carson, he's free 364 days a year. I'm talking about, think about it. He was a host of sorts. Pretty good-looking guy. Burt Parks. There you go, Burt Parks. <laughs> yeah, I, that's it, really. Yeah, Burt Parks. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Uh-huh. So he was he was the original host, um, and Peter Marshall got the gig. And you can't find this on the internet, but I saw a clip. Wait a minute. You think Burt Parks was a good-looking guy? Okay. Anyway, that's fine. He wasn't anyway. bad-looking. I mean, you know, he kind of had that kind of had that Jack Carter look going for him. You know, not that Jack Carter was that good-looking, but. But anyway, yeah, now you're going backwards with your right. logic. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'm going way backwards. <laughs> next, right. next one I'm going to come up with. He was good looking, kind of like Lionel Stander from Heart <laughs> to Heart. You know. <laughs> yeah. uh, of course, this show's a classic. Uh, but but Peter Marshall got the gig because he was doing a Kellogg's uh, breakfast cereal commercial, and the producer and I, one of the producers, whoever it was, his wife says, "Hey, you know that new show you're doing." You should hire this guy who does a commercial. You should hire a guy just like that. He said, oh. He says, who is that guy? We don't know. They called, found out. Peter Marshall got the gig. And I got to say, and I am, I think I, 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 am, I am kind of a, a stickler. Not a stickler. I'm a very good critic of game show mm-hmm. hosts because I've done a little yeah. bit of hosting in my life. Peter Marshall yeah. was a freaking great host for that show. I mean, mm-hmm. He kept it moving. He never got confused. If the if the uh, a celebrity didn't have a bluff, he'd move on. I mean, he was really, really good. And the thing that it's even more impressing, impressive to me, Paul Lynn would come up with an answer. And they'd say, I agree. Say, no, disagree, whatever. And he would always say, X gets the square or circle gets the square. Because it would confuse me. I'm like, wait, was Paul Lynn right? Or did the person, because they disagreed, did they get the X or the O? Wait a minute. I... When I'm watching, I'm like, sometimes I don't know what yeah. you go up there, you know? But he's always you. right there. You know, oh, nope, sorry, wrong circle, get the square. He, I mean, he's really good. When you go back and you watch, he, he was excellent. What about the questions? Like for Paul Lynn, I always thought, was he fed these questions before so he could come up with the jokes, or was he really I, no, good on the I, spot? I'm so glad you brought that up because Hollywood Squares was one of the first shows where they had the disclaimer at the end that said, hey, the contestants get all the questions in advance. When a man falls out of your boat and into the water, you should yell, man overboard. Now, what should you yell if a woman falls overboard? Full speed ahead. (laughs) How many men on a hockey team? About half. Out of uh, every 10 people who are audited, how many uh, end up paying more taxes? 11. (laughs) (laughs) And there were actual writers on the Hollywood Squares, but some of the guys that were comedians would use their own writers or even their own material. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I mean, the whole show was basically... uh, The the tic-tac-toe game was was almost secondary to the entertainment and the comedy. And, of course, we mentioned Paul Lind. Give me some of the other names that you remember from from the classic Hollywood Squares. Right, from classic Hollywood squares, Rosemarie, yes. Charlie Weaver. Yep. Hello there, Marty Allen. Yep. Um, I think I remember uh, Bowser being on towards the end. 
He was no, actually no, a host. Boo, no. boo, boo. No, yeah, now you're bad. going into the bastardized version. Okay, so we're, Tony Randall. Um, uh, yep. Jeez, uh, yeah, there's others. If it, oh, Wally Cox. He yep, was on sometimes. yep. Yeah. No, you're perfect. You're, 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 I've, I've got the top. Well, I've got, you know, them all. Vincent Price. Here. Vincent Price. You're nailing <laughs> yeah, it, man. Yeah. Absolutely yeah, not nailing that bad it. that after all. Okay, okay, yeah. All right, I'm from, from top to bottom as far as uh, 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 episodes, number one, you would think would be Paul Lind, but no, he actually got beat by Cliff Arquette, who, of course, was Charlie Weaver. Yeah. Who is so, really Rosanna Arquette's dad, right? I didn't David know Arquette. that, but that would make sense, sure. I did not know that. Yes, I think yeah. it is, well, yeah. He, he started playing that Charlie Weaver character on the old Jack Parr show, and it was so, uh, so popular that he just became Charlie Weaver, and you know he, he never appeared as himself again. Right. He was always oh, Charlie wait. Weaver. Yes, uh, and nobody knew about the Arquette thing until after he was dead. That that was his real name. I mean, people did, but I didn't. Right. Anyway. But here, here's another guy that I didn't know of outside of Hollywood Squares until I researched him later. But George Goebel was on a lot of shows too. Do you have yeah. him on your list? Oh God, you, little Georgie Goebel. You're absolutely, you're swinging for the fences and you're connecting every time. Because it goes Cliff Arquette, Paul Lind, Wally Cox, Rosemary, Vincent Price, George Goebel. So you've got, you got like the top seven. That's impressive. Yes. Uh, and of course, George Goebel, he had his own show. He was, um, I, think that, I think he was the first Lonesome George before George Thurgood. Uh, yeah where he had his own TV show, and it was real popular for a couple of years, and then something happened, and it, it went downhill. But, uh, but yeah. Did you know that he... Yeah, George... George sorry, uh, you know, I interrupt you all the time, but I might as well no, say sorry ahead. once in a while. Uh, he was a good guitar player. Did you know that? You know? I did not know that. That's really yeah. cool to know. He plays... One of my favorite guitars of all time is a Gibson L5. It was played by some very famous people, including Wes Montgomery. But the, George Goebel had Gibson Company. It's, this is a very expensive guitar for jazz guitar. Uh, he, they made a model called the Gibson L, George Goebel L5. So wow. this is a little factoid that he was a good enough player where this world-class company actually made a signature model for him. And they don't do that for hardly no. anybody. Yeah. I mean, wow. you got to be like B.B. King status minimum before you get at your own guitar. But wow. he got one somehow. Anyway, there you go. Well, I know that. I think Scotty Moore got his own guitar. He was Elvis' he did. first guitar player. Yeah, and Scotty Moore is a, so underrated, so important to all that Elvis stuff, and nobody knows who he is, unfortunately. I do. Well, you do. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Smart people know who he is. Let's say that. <laughs> Inquiring <laughs> minds want to know. All right, let me go down the list just because there are a few more names that'll make you laugh, and I think you got half of these. Bobby next Van, on, you said next make on me the laugh. list. No, no <laughs> Bobby Van. I just watched Gallagher. <laughs> oh, God. You know, I met his brother, the fake Gallagher. Oh, Do you yeah. know the story of the fake Gallagher? He, he, he's yes. like his twin. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I met him. him. On tour. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and he, I said, "Oh, you're Gallagher." Blah blah blah, and he didn't say I'm the brother. He just said, "Oh yeah, no, that's me." I'm like, "Oh," <laughs> and then like a year later, I realized, "No, that's the fake one." <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. All right, here we go. Down the list. Next on the list, and, and this is surprising because I had forgotten about her completely, and I only remember because she played uh, Joey Bishop's wife on the Joey Bishop show, Abby Dalton. Remember her? Uh, no. I, no. I don't know who you're talking about. Who oh, is she, that? 
381 episodes on uh, on Hollywood Squares. Real good looking, sweet. Yeah, no, Google her because she's she's beautiful. It was beautiful. Um, then next on the list, you didn't get him, but you would have eventually. Jan Murray. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's another guy. Like you don't know what he really does. Like I yeah. talk about Dick Gaudier or whatever. Like what is Jan Murray's claim? I'm sure he's a nightclub singer or something like that. Yeah, no, he sang, he told jokes, he thought he was a comedian. The only good thing he ever did was that one episode of Car 54, Where Are You? Oh, I remember vaguely. Yeah, he plays the judge, and he has to judge the talent show, and uh, it's uh, like a Chris, uh, the, every uh, a precinct has a choir, and they all sing the same song for this competition, and there are like 300 of them. So by the 300th you know, uh, choir, Jan Murray is so crazy, he jumps out the window, and he actually goes nuts, and they have a psychiatrist that comes, and it turns out that he's like in the hospital, but Fred Gwynn is the lead in the, in the um, quartet, and they happen to be singing outside, and Jan Murray's like, I hear it again, I hear it again, and the doctor's like, <laughs> Yes, that was a good one. Good one, yeah. wow. That's that's good. See, it's worth it to go down these rabbit holes. And by the way, yeah. while you were regaling us with that story, I did look up Abby Dalton. She looks a lot like Juliet Proust to me. Remember her? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, kind Is of that leggy. bad broadcasting when I keep saying "remember her, remember this"? I feel like it's too much Chris Farley type stuff, but I I can't help it. I just no. It's hey, that's yeah. what the show's about. For God's sake, we could talk okay. about Shit's Creek, but you know we'd rather talk about something that went off the air forty years ago. So remember, Juliet Prowse uh, was the love <laughs> interest of uh, Bernie Coppell in the Love Boat for a while. Well, I remember she was the love interest in I think it was GI Blues with Elvis. Was oh, it G.I. Right. Blues? Yeah, yeah, yeah G.I. Blues. And at the time, she was dating Frank Sinatra, but she was fooling mm -hmm. around with Elvis. So the Memphis Mafia, when they were like in the trailers, they would, they would tease Rumble. Elvis. They'd, they'd knock on the Elvis's tra trailer door when he was in there with Juliet Prowse, and he'd say, Frank's coming! Frank's coming! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. All right, let me go down the list a, a few more, just okay. for fun. Yeah, uh, this is fun. Again, uh, from top to bottom, uh, top being the people that uh, appear the most, we have uh, talentless broad Nanette Fabre. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't she do orange juice commercials? No, no. that was no, that was um, the one who got in trouble with the um, uh, for her for her remarks about gays. That was Anita Bryant. But it's oh, a good Anita guess. Bryant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, here we go. Karen Valentine, who was a cutie. Yeah. I liked yeah. Karen Valentine. Then I'm two twenty two. She was that. Maury Amsterdam, <laughs> uh, Kay Ballard, who I mentioned mm -hmm. before, and Marty Allen. There you go. Marty Allen. I think Richard Deacon was on a time or two as well. Well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I have a little quiz for you real quick. We'll just yeah. we'll do it rapid fire. I'm going gonna, gonna to throw out a name, and you tell me if they were on Hollywood Squares or not. You ready? All right. I'm going to do better this time. Ready to go. Fire away. Cesar Romero. Yes. Yep, 30 episodes. Yeah. Sebastian Cabot. Yes, he was. 25 episodes. Mickey nice. Rooney. No. Nope, he was also on 25 episodes. Oh, okay. Louis Armstrong. Uh, no, he was not. Very good. Betty Grable. No. 22 episodes, believe it or no not. Oh, shit. Yeah. Betty yeah. Grable, wow. Yeah. Carol Lombard. Oh, my Lord. Carol Lombard. I'm going to say yes only because it seems so improbable. <laughs> no, she died like in the 40s. She died okay. in a plane crash, so no. Agnes Moorhead. 
Agnes Moorhead. Yes, she was. 21 episodes. Robert Goulet. <laughs> Wait a minute. I have to get my gun out to shoot the screen here. Um, yeah, I would say, I'm guessing he was, yeah. Yep, 12 episodes. Yeah. How about, how about Bill Saluga, who, also known as Ray J. Johnson? For sure, he was on there. Because that's what this guy was all about. It was his, his he poisoned all kinds of uh, corners of the air, uh, the boob tube during his, he stole more than 15 minutes. He stole like years off of our life with that stupid one trick pony. <laughs> you can call me Ray, but you doesn't have to call me Johnson. <laughs> he did eight episodes. And the funny yeah. thing is that Peter Marshall keeps referring to him as Bill or Billy. But he's dressed up as Ray J. Johnson, and he's doing the Ray J. Johnson character, but they're calling him Bill Saluga. And he's doing the character, but there is no character except for those lines, right? So I wonder what he said. Like, did he have jokes? uh, Yeah, kind of. I mean, you could call him jokes, I guess. Bill Saluga? You are two stories tall. I is? You weigh 20 tons. You have a six-inch tooth. You look like a huge, ugly kangaroo with a great lashing tail, and you just love meat for dinner. What do we call you? Wait a second. It sounds like my mother-in-law. <laughs> How about Adam West? Yes, he was. Six episodes. Mm-hmm. Abe Vigoda. Abe Vigoda was. Uh, he wasn't the center square or anything like that, but he was on there. He was only on one episode, but yes, yeah, he was. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, that's why I said yes. And of course, uh, uh, two of our, uh, this is, these are givens because they did a bunch of them. Norm Crosby and Jack Carter. <laughs> right, of course. Here's the thing that really brought me down the rabbit hole when I was doing the research to find out if Jack Carter was actually on Hollywood Squares, which of course he was. I found a bunch of quotes. Jack Carter hated everybody in show business. Really? Why? He, he, for instance, and I, I just found all these quotes on some web page. He, he says that Buddy Hackett killed himself. He says he was an angry man. He had all these guns, and he went out to the beach, and he shot himself. And, of course, that story's never been told. They just said Buddy died after, you know, whatever, an illness. But, he, oh, no, he went out to the beach, and he shot himself. So he Is that says, true? I can't find it out. I'm tr- I've, been, I've been looking for, like, three or four days. But according to Jack Carter, it's absolutely true. Why would a man spread spread that well, lie? Of all things to say, Buddy Hackett killed himself if it wasn't true. Maybe he, he was not, just crazy he, or something. Here he is talking about red buttons. Cheapest man who ever lived. Uh, uh, he, miserly. Never had an act. Never worked Vegas. The minute somebody died, they'd go to him for an interview. He never worked Vegas. He never had an act. Uh, let's see. Uh, Norm Crosby. Norm Crosby and I were friends, but then he stole all my jokes. Stole a ton of material from me and many others. Yeah, he was an opening act, you know. Never a headliner. Never in your life will you meet someone who says they're a Norm Crosby fan, you know. No one says he's a Norm Crosby fan. Do you feel, now you've been in show business, and you've seen all kinds of personalities, whether interviewing people or even on maybe a different scale here and there with news business different from Hollywood. But I always thought, you know, it takes... You have to have a tremendous amount of confidence in yourself and be kind of a character. You can't just be some milk toast, no talent, and make it in the business, whether it's in news or, or uh, Hollywood. So, do you think it, it attracts a higher percentage of, you know, I don't know, like people that will go over the top with that and become assholes rather than just self confidence? Uh, you, you know, is that's what the ego is easily out of control. Is it, is it because you kind of need that in order to make it in that world? 
You know, that's a good point. And I've I had this discussion with a couple of uh, comedians. And it, generally, people that get in the show business are kind of needy and they need that ego boost. That's why, you know, I mean, they want to tell a joke in front of 100 people instead of, you know, five people around the dinner table. Um, so, yeah, so there's definitely an ego there. But one thing that I found about a lot of people in show business, once they find their niche, once they find something that works, they just go to the well and go to the well and go to, and do the same thing. And I'll give you the greatest example. In 1960-something, Wayne Newton was on the Jackie Gleason show. It was called the Jackie Gleason American Scene Magazine. And, of course, this is before he was a big star in Vegas. So he does his show, and he's with his brothers. They were called the Newton Brothers. And his one brother played guitar, another brother, uh, brother played valve trombone, and Wayne was playing the banjo. And they do this song, an old traditional jazz classic, um, Waiting for the Robert E. Lee. Remember that song? Yes, I do. Okay. So it's like, uh, uh, it, was, it was actually also used for um, uh, the Furniture District in Chicago. Used it as their theme song for their commercials. Come on to the district, the Furniture District, with acres of values are coming your way, and they're all at District Furniture. So much to see and to save, you know. Um, yeah, good. That's a yeah, good commercial. Yeah, it was a good commercial. <laughs> the way Newton on this show, he does a banjo solo, and it's a very good banjo solo. It's a tenor banjo. You know, it's, he's not picking. It's like clang, 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 you know. Um, so he does it, and I had seen that clip, you know, maybe 10, 15 times in my life. And as a musician, I kind of remember melodies and stuff. And I'm like, boy, that was a, a great solo. Fast forward to, God, it must have been 2005. Okay, so this is 40 years later. I'm in Vegas, front row, $100 seat to see Wayne Newton. So I'm sitting there, blah, 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 and they start the song. I said, oh, my God, I can't believe he's going to do that song that he did 40 years ago on the Jackie Gleason show. And, of course, yeah. he picks up the banjo, and, Harry, I swear to God, he played the exact same goddamn solo, stroke for stroke, on the banjo. <laughs> probably one of the only people in the world that had been tracking his solo and that's on that song all those years he's still alive and still working right uh i don't know if he's still working he's not in great okay. health uh yeah. when we saw him it, it was one of those sad situations where uh you know it, it, well to to quote my ex-wife it was funny because Wayne comes out and they start off with dun 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 bright light city can't sing anymore because we'll get in trouble but he sings viva las vegas yeah. So that's his opening thing, and it comes out, and then he does another song, and then my ex-wife, who was very funny, turns to me and she says, "You know, it was really nice of Elvis to die, so Wayne Newton could steal his act." <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. He's doing an Elvis act. He's even wearing like that, you know, jumpsuit, the one that Elvis oh, used to wear. Yeah. 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 But so. then his, Wayne Newton's head kind of swelled up too. That happens, and he got the small. His mustache got smaller, and his head got bigger. He kind of looked like uh, Jethro Bodine, like Max Bear Jr. does nowadays right. too. Yeah. Yes. 
And, and when, when we saw him, we actually met him after the show. We did that little meet and greet thing. And, you know, we were up there, and I, I would put, I'd put the number at 2.5 as far as the over-under goes for uh, facelifts that he had had at that point in his life. Um, <laughs> so if if we're gonna have if we're yeah. watching TV on Thanksgiving and they're showing the Macy's Thanksgiving <laughs> celebrity balloon parade, he's in right. there, right? He's one of them floating down the down the avenues. Yeah, no, it, he, he definitely. What is it with the big head syndrome? Richard Dawson, <laughs> yeah. and Max Bayer. Yeah. <laughs> it's just gets so goddamn big until they explode. That's what happened to Buddy Hackett, actually, I think. And, and Gary Shandling, too. Remember Gary Shandling? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it gets big oh, and red, God. and then pop, boom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Wow. All right, Hollywood Squares uh, uh, ended in 1981. They brought it back in 86 with John Davidson and Shadow Stevens. And you remember that? No. It was horrible. Yeah. 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 Shadow Stevens was the announcer. John Davidson was a host. And then uh, Joan Rivers, I think, was the big star. She was the center square in 86. That's um, right. I, yeah, yeah, it got worse from there. By the way, before the, we get yeah. off of Peter Marshall, oh, yeah. did you know that his real name was Pete Lecoq? Yes, because I only know that because his son, Pete Lecoq Jr., was a first baseman with the Cubs. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, in the, in the early 70s. Yeah, for like mid-70s. Pete Lecoq. And for the Kansas City Royals, too. Uh, very good. Uh, so then uh, uh, Hollywood Squares came back again in 98 to 2004. That's the one that Tom Bergeron hosted, which actually is okay because Gilbert Gottfried was the center square or close to the center square. No, Whoopi Goldberg was the center square, and she was horrible. Do you remember that oh, show yeah. at all? I do. Whoopi Goldberg is another – to me, I she's not funny. I mean, no. she's been in movies, and I'm, she doesn't really – what does she bring to the table? Well, on the Hollywood Squares, they'd always, when they, you know, uh, call her name, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, would go crazy. Woo, Whoopi, you know, uh, all right, Whoopi, like, okay, we're going to get a real good zinger here. This is going to be funny. Yeah. And so they'd ask her the question, and she'd just kind of, oh, she'd kind of, well, just kind of talk like this and talk low and blah, blah, blah. And she never had anything. Funny. She had the glasses on, and she looks underneath the glasses, yeah. you know, like that's supposed to be funny, given that look. And uh, no, I mean, no, I, I, it doesn't do it for me. I don't know. No, but. and it, she, it seemed like she laid so many eggs on that show, and they made such a big deal out of her. But Gilbert Gottfried was on that version, too, and he was pretty funny. Gilbert would be funny on that show. So that pretty much wraps up Hollywood Squares. The reboots, you know, they were somewhat successful, but uh, everyone remembers the great Paul Lind and Peter Marshall and the cast of characters that we went through together. It was uh, fun. Yeah, good one, yeah. Jim. Yeah, it, it was fun. And, and, and it's the thing that made Paul Lind a star if, if he became a star. But then, again, it, it, and you brought up this point earlier, they took Paul Lind and they said, oh, let's, let's make a sitcom about him. And he did like three or four shows that were all just duds, but when he was just being Paul Lind on Hollywood Squares, he was hilarious. So, Thanks for that trip down the rabbit hole. All right, so uh, uh, citing what I told you about songs that are in the public domain, can I ask you to do your, new, uh, your newest impression? Can you give us a little Mel Torme singing like, you know, there's no place like home for the Hollywood... Wait a minute, no, that's not public domain. Well, I th uh, don't worry you, about what? it. I just okay. happen to have a little something prepared here. I thought you'd All never right. ask. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Mm-hmm. If you miss our show, we gotta go. So now you gotta talk to your wife. We'll be back in a jiffy with a new show that's nifty. That's called the TV Rabbit Hole. Yeah, the rabbit hole. Beebity bop, the TV Rabbit Hole life. Boo, 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 bow. 
I'm standing. I'm actually standing. <laughs> Holy cow, we have a lot of corrections, and I'll get to them quick. Jeanette Dubois actually played Wilona on Good Times. We had like three different pronunciations. Wilona was her character's name. Some of the writers on your show of shows that we didn't mention, Danny Simon, Neil Simon, and Mel Tolkien. Those were the biggies. Night Court was on the air a few different nights, but we probably remember it best on Thursday night when it was part of that blockbuster lineup. They had Cosby, Different World, Cheers, Night Court, and then L.A. Law. And it was in the top ten when it was on Thursdays. Harry Anderson actually did do a lot of work, a lot of TV work after Dave's World. Wrote a book, a couple of books, I think. But he moved to New Orleans, and here I am in New Orleans, and I didn't know that. He actually bought a club and a magic shop and performed here for a lot of years. I misspoke when I said on Hollywood Squares, the contestants got the questions ahead of time. No, 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 the celebrities got the questions ahead of time, so they could come up with some funny responses. Cliff Arquette is not Rosanna Arquette's dad. Cliff Arquette, a.k.a. Charlie Weaver, uh, Weaver, is Rosanna Arquette's grandfather. George Goble was the first Lonesome George. Uh, I pulled one out of my behind when I said Scotty Moore played the Gibson L5, and he did back when he was with Elvis. Uh, Paul Simon actually is another guy who played the L5 in the 70s. Uh, Jack Carter died in 2015, obviously a bitter man. And Wayne Newton, according to his website, is still working. Caesar's in Vegas. However, all of his performances, at least in the uh, short term, have been canceled probably due to COVID. But according to the website, he's out there and still kicking and probably playing that goddamn same banjo solo. Now it's been 60 years, for God's sake. (laughs) 